0: Have you run across the word paraProdoskian? I hadn't heard it till this week. Uh, It is a sentence that ends differently than you expect it to end. Here are some examples. This one from Groucho Marx. I had a perfectly wonderful evening, but this wasn't it. Stephen Wright says this. I saw a bank that said 24 hour banking, but I don't have that much time. Peter DeVry said, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. People say nothing is impossible, but lots of people do nothing every day. Since light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. If I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. I didn't say it was your fault. I just said I was blaming you. You don't need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to skydive twice. I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. And going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Now I've used that one before, but it leads us well into our sermon topic this morning, It leads us well into pretty much any sermon on the epistle of 1 John because this book uh, is a series of tests, a series of questions to ask ourselves about our faith, to test the genuineness of our faith, of our walk with God. Here, we find three things that are indicators that Indeed, we are genuine Christians. The first is that we are amazed. The second is that we are adopted, and the third is that we are authentic, and let's look at amazed first. Amazed is not captured super well in English translations uh, because there aren't really um, the words to express this level of amazement that John expresses here, uh, but he, when he says, "'See what great love the Father has lavished on us, "'that we should be called children of God, "'and that is what we are.'" We see in our New International Version there are exclamation points, which captures a bit of the excitement that Paul, that uh, John is expressing here. But um, the the word "see" is really in the Greek from what country, and it's a a word a phrase that doesn't translate into English, but the the it's a, an expression. An expression. Where, where in the world would that come from? Is basically what John is saying. Uh, from what country does this love come? And it's interesting that he chooses that uh, word, that word, and that word picture because last week we looked at the fact that the message of the gospel comes from another place, another reality, from God's kingdom. So indeed, this message comes from God's kingdom into the kingdom of this world, and it should amaze us, it should surprise us, it should overwhelm us because God has lavished his grace on us, something we do not deserve uh, to have a relationship with God, and God has made it possible. John uh, has been uh, writing sort of, Um, intellectually through his arguments in this letter but he interrupts himself here with uh, exuberance at this glorious thought that we are God's children. We need to understand how big this is first that we were separated from God we were hopeless apart from the work of Jesus Christ. And we may try and fix ourselves. We may try to become better and better people. We may try and fail. We may try and succeed. But neither of those uh, processes gets us to the place where we are truly acceptable to God, where we are truly fixed because there is always sin in us. We will fail. But God in Christ has done it all. And this is true. Uh, This week I saw a friend post something, uh, a friend who's in Christian ministry, and he posted something about something that's not true according to uh, the gospel. He was was talking about horoscopes and saying people shouldn't use these. It's not true. And a friend uh, posted, how can you say it's not true? How can you say what you believe is true? These are faith statements, and faith statements are not provable, true or false. And the the friend had a very strong uh, argument, he believed, that anything that is taken by faith cannot, by definition, be true. Now, of course, he was taking that uh, statement by faith, (laughs) and um, we we see there is a a logical problem in what he was saying. Uh, But the bigger problem is that if something is true and you believe it, you're standing on solid ground. If something is not true and you believe it, no matter how much you believe it, it doesn't do you any good. This person said, well, the really the, the purpose of faith is to help you feel good, to help you get through life. Well, I don't wanna get through life on something that is not true. I don't wanna get through life on something that is imaginary. I want my life to be founded on something that is real, and in this case, something that is real beyond this life, something that anchors me into a reality far greater than anything I can experience. So, all that to say that, yes, we believe by faith, it's by faith that we um, that we trust God, but when we're trusting God, we are trusting in truth, something real, something actual, something factual, and the problem with our culture today is they don't want to believe that anything that is received by faith, it can be true or false, but if it's not true, there's no point in trusting it. What happens here for John is he's talking intellectually about these things and then all of a sudden he's overwhelmed. Thomas Goodwin years ago put it this way, it's like the little boy who knows his father loves him, but one day his father lifts him up, kisses him and says, I love you. I will always love you. I will do anything for you, even die. There's no new information that the father is giving the son, but the the truth of his love goes deeper into his heart because he has experienced this apart from just his mind, but in his heart. And that is what John is expressing for us to experience here as well, that God's grace is glorious, and it is not just something we give intellectual assent to, but something that changes our hearts. And the next thing we look at is that we are adopted We have been called children of God, and that is what we are. But this concept makes me grumpy. (laughs) You might say, how in the world can being an adopted child of God make you grumpy? Well, it makes me grumpy because over and over and over again, outside and inside the church, I hear people say, well, everybody's a child of God. And while there may be uh, some sense of truth to that in that everyone is loved by God and everyone is created by God, to say everyone, regardless of their faith, regardless of their relationship with God, is a child of God, is to truly cheapen and undermine this glorious reality that we are adopted, that we who are in Christ are adopted into the family of God. It... Is a new identity for us and a, an identity different from what we had before we were adopted by God. So I would ask you not to use the phrase children of God for everybody. But as John points out here, we are children of God or we are children of the enemy if we have not received uh, God's grace for us in Jesus Christ. So not everyone is truly a child of God. And the glory of being adopted into God's family should not be diminished by misuse of this phrase. Because of what God has done, in us because of what god has done in christ and we therefore receiving it we have a new identity john 1 12 puts it this way yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god and paul says it this way in romans eight fourteen: for those who are led by the spirit of god are children of god the spirit you received brought about your adoption The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It does no good to attribute this identity to someone who doesn't truly have it. As St. Augustine said, uh, For those who are called sons and are not sons, what profit them the name that were the thing it is not? Uh, Old language, I'm going to try to read that again and, and uh, focus on the right words for those who are called sons and are not sons, what profit them? the name where the thing where the thing is not, so many are called Christians, and yet in their deeds they are not found to be because they are not actually what they are called and Once again, John gives us um, a measure by which to uh, measure ourselves, measure our faith, to make sure that we are indeed children of God and not just calling calling ourselves children of God. So um, we are amazed, we are adopted, and we should be then authentic, authentic in our lived identity, uh, uh, receiving the identity of being adopted as God's child and then living out that identity as authentic believers. And here we find in verses 8 through 10 the reason that I say this. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Challenging words indeed. If you are a true child of God, you will not sin. How many of you are living up to that sinless perfection? Your preacher is not. So I doubt that you are. Not that I could do it better than you, but we all know that sin still lives within us. In fact, John himself, in earlier chapters, said if we say we are without sin, we are lying. So what does he mean here? It's much more about orientation than about 100% purity, It's about where our mind lives. Yes, we may find ourselves sinning, but a sinful mindset should not characterize a believer. Scott Hazy says it this way, grace saves, but if you really received it, grace transforms inevitably. So if you keep abusing people, keep hurting people, keep hating people, keep committing adultery or stealing or lying or any number of things and have no desire either to stop such activity, much less admit that it is wrong, then you exhibit no evidence of being a child of the Heavenly Father. Harsh words, right? But if you need to hear the harsh words, isn't it better to have someone tell you that change needs to happen, than to let you continue believing something that is not true, believing that you have a right relationship with God when you do not. You cannot be in fellowship with a sinless Savior and continue to push toward corruption. And yet, of course, we still sin. But sin should not characterize us. Sinfulness should not characterize our lives. Remind yourself of who you are. You are a child of God. You are a child of God's kingdom. Why then would you try to find your fulfillment in things that God has said no to? God knows you. God knows what's good for you. You may not believe it, but you believe him and therefore live according to what God says because he is your loving father in whom you have placed your trust. Anchor your hope in God and in God's kingdom. A lot of times, the mistake that we make when we find that we are um, not measuring up according to the standards that are expressed here is that we look at our behaviors and we say, well, I got to do better with that and I have to do better with that. That's important, but it's not the first step. The first step must be to look at your relationship with God to find uh, within that relationship, a level of trust in God, that you trust God's word, and then deal with your sins in light of that restored and renewed and strengthened relationship with God. Focus on God first, and then yourself, your actions, in light of God, and then, do not, do not focus on others. It is not helpful to um, say, well, I'm working on my relationship with God. I'm I'm a child of God now, adopted fully, accepted fully, and that person's not because look at what they're doing. We are to share the love and mercy and truth of God with everyone, not assuming that everyone is there, not assuming that everyone has a relationship with God, but (coughs) it is not our job to point out all their sins in order to get them to God. The point is to show them what it means to be adopted into God's family, uh, to be received as a member of the kingdom of God, a subject of God's glorious reign. And then their new identity, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, will, we pray, guide them into uh, behavior that is Reflective of a true trust in God's goodness. And it makes sense, sisters and brothers, to trust God, to be amazed at His grace, to receive your identity as God's daughter or son. And then to live out that identity in relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because God is good. God is a good, good Father. And now, as you listen to and sing this song, reflect on the goodness of your Father. Your Heavenly Father, who loves you and accepts you and values you.